Ever feel like you're doing this teaching thing alone? You don't have to be. Share Teaching is all about sharing the workload through the power of collaboration and teamwork. Together, we'll walk through all the difficult parts of teaching and learn how to streamline our processes, fine-tune our time management, and develop a more manageable workload. If that sounds like a dream come true to you, then welcome to the Shared Teaching Podcast. Let's share in the teaching to make those dreams a reality. Now here's today's Shared Teaching. Hi, and welcome back to the Shared Teaching Podcast. I'm your host, Susan, the creator of Shared Teaching. You are listening to episode 106, How to Teach Sentence Writing. So thank you for being here, and let's go ahead and get started. So this podcast is really for when you are just having a lot of students struggling to write incomplete sentences. Maybe you're seeing a lot of run-on sentences with no punctuation, or maybe it's the opposite. Maybe you're seeing punctuation everywhere after every word, right? Or just down the line, <laughs> you know how the students finish writing a, lo- a word or a sentence really, and then like straight down the margin on the right-hand side is period, 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 period <laughs> as you go straight down because... Periods go at the end of a sentence, right? And that's the end of a line. So it's logical that the period would go there. That's always my favorite. It's so cute. But maybe you're also seeing like some fragments and the sentences make no sense. So where do you go from here besides just pull your hair out? So hopefully I have some tips and tricks that are going to help you today. And I know they've really helped me. So if you're new here, my background is in elementary education. I've taught first grade and second grade primarily for most of my career. I did dabble one year in a pre-K setting, which was technically considered kindergarten, but by American standards, it was pre-K. And then I've also done fourth. And currently I'm doing gifted and talented, which is gate for third through fifth graders. So I have quite a variety of experience through the grade levels. But I tried to provide most of my information geared towards first and second grade teachers here on this podcast. If that doesn't apply to you, that's okay. Give me a listen and maybe it will fit for your students because we all know after COVID, there really is no traditional sense of where kids are at within a grade level anymore. At least that's my thought. Okay, so the first trick, using air quotes, because it's not really a trick, just a tried and true method is to help students do what I call count it out. In order to have students understand how to write sentences, I find it's very helpful to have them start orally telling them first. So this is where count it out comes into play. So students will say the sentence they want to write and count the words across their fingers. Okay, so they will say something like, I played with my friend. And as they're doing that, they're counting each word on one finger. So next, the students are going to look at how many they counted. So I I forgot what I already said. I will play with my friend, I think it was. So that's six words, right? So they're going to write six lines for each word that they counted. Then the students are going to say their sentence again as they write it. So I want to play with my friend. And as they write, they write each word on a line. 
So this gives them a very concrete visual almost of where they're stopping their sentence. So I always teach my kids, I kind of point, like I counted my sentences, and then I put my finger on the outside of my hand, not on a finger, or in between my fingers as the period. So they know when they get to that point, that's where they put the period. So for me, it just, it really works, especially for those more emergent writers to say their sentences, learn, okay, this is where I stop. Because if they're writing it and they're not saying it out loud, they kind of can go and go and go and go. And then they don't really know where that focus is. And then you get the and, 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 right? So this is a great way to help them focus on one sentence at a time. And it's also easier for them to check for where their capitals and end punctuation go. Okay, the next air quote trick (laughs) is called sentence partners. Now it's really kind of the same idea as the first thing to count it out. Only now we're going to assign a partner to our struggling writer or writers, which is probably more likely the case. So within my writing curriculum, I actually assign partners at the start of a new unit. And if you're interested in any of my writing units, I do have my first one out, which is opinion writing. And you can find that in my TPT store. I will have a link to it in the show notes. So where you're reading the notes, when you click on the podcast, you can see a link and that'll take you to my TPT store. And sorry about that. I'm getting some notifications dinging through my computer. It's always fun. Okay, so I will start maybe half the class is going to be cats, right? Because opinion writing. And then the other half will be dogs, right? Because it's either a I like cats or I like dogs, right? It's kind of a divided thing. So I thought it was kind of cute. So when it's time for the partners, they pair up with a cat and a dog if they're self-selecting or I prearrange the partners, right? I kind of strategically plan it out. So for this sentence activity, this there's going to be one partner that's assigned to talk and the other partner is going to be the scribe or the writer. Depends on what words you want to use in your class. I like to kind of switch up the vocabulary sometimes to give them more exposure to different words because I usually teach in, well, not usually, I almost always have taught in a Title I school with like a higher ELL population and I just like to add and kind of boost some of those extras. So that's just a little side note. But anyway, we're going to have partner A, let's call them cats, go first. Partner B, the dogs, are going to say their, or they're going to listen to the sentence. So partner A is going to talk. Partner B is going to write. Together, they're going to count the words that partner A says, and then partner B is going to make the lines and write the words. But remember, their partner is there to help them if they struggle with writing the words and sounding it out. Then they switch. And so then partner B is going to say a sentence. Partner A is going to help them count it, write the lines, write the words. And just having a partner kind of gives that novelty sense to it, and it brings in the fun element. Because I know every time I tell my class they can have partners, it's excitement overload. So just the idea of having a writing partner really helps them because they often pay closer attention to a partner and what a partner's saying than when they do it with themselves. Okay, the third thing is color coding. Now, we tend to color code a lot in, let's say, writing, or not writing, but reading. So, you know, we're highlighting paragraphs, we're finding topic sentences, and we color code these things. But really, we should take those same ideas 
and bring it into writing time. So I like to kind of mirror what's happening in reading to be what's happening in writing because it really helps create that deeper understanding for students and it really helps them get some more practice with those skills. So for our students that have a challenging time remembering using capitals and ending punctuation, color coding is just for them, right? It's perfect. Now, you want to make sure you're teaching students how to explicitly use a checklist and to color code their sentence parts. You don't want to just assume like, hey, here's your checklist we're going to use today, but not actually model how it is to use the checklist because you would be surprised, especially if you teach first or second grade, they might not have that much experience with using a checklist. So always just assume they're aliens from another planet. They're coming in. They don't know anything about this topic. How can I use a checklist? And then you're going to teach them a little mini lesson on how to use the checklist. Because if you don't, then they're not going to use it the way you want them to use it. And your expectation and their expectations are going to be completely different. So you want to make sure that you're always on the same page with each other. So teach them how to go through this checklist if you have one and how to actually use it, how to check their work, and then use it for a few times, right? A few different lessons, modeling and showing and practicing with it before they're kind of like released on their own, right? That gradual release model is really important for these young learners. Okay, so now depending on how much the student is struggling, I might start with just capitals or just ending punctuation. So to decide between the two, you're going to think about which one they forget the most often. So if it's both, which can be the case, especially with emergent writers, then you're going to focus on maybe just capitals. And then once you under, once you see them consistently bringing in and starting with capitals, then you're going to start doing the end punctuation. But you don't want to try to do both at the same time because this poor writer is probably struggling just to get the sounds on the paper, right? There's so many things to remember. There's the pencil grip, the letter formation, the spaces, the words themselves, the phonics. Like there's a lot going on in these minds just to get the words on the paper. So giving them less things to focus on is best. So I would also assign a color for each sentence part, right? Because this is called color coding. So this way, when your student looks at their piece of writing, they can quickly see, oh, look, I only have one period on this whole page. Or maybe the writing piece has 10 purple circles, right? Oh my gosh, I have 10 periods everywhere. And then you can kind of evaluate whether or not they're all necessary. Do you have 10 green capitals circled to match your 10 purples, right? So there should be a correlation between how many capital letters and how many periods you have if we don't think about people's names, right? So teaching them those kind of things, like, okay, if I have five sentences, I should have five periods. Do I have the same amount, a number? If I have an extra, why is that? Oh, it's a name. Okay, then it's fine. So making sure maybe even that's a mini lesson. Okay, my next one, and this is kind of a fun one, kids love manipulatives, is space sticks. So you've probably heard of these before. I know my first graders were notorious for writing words with no spaces, just all shoved together, right? You can't make heads or tails out of it because you don't know where one word ends and the next one begins. So I remember I was 
I was, this is my beginning years of teaching. I kept reminding him, well, put your finger down as you were writing, because that's what I had seen other teachers do, right? You put your finger down and then you write the word and you move your finger over. But then I was noticing these gigantic spaces, right? Or the students kept forgetting to put their finger down. They were having a hard time writing around with their finger, placed it on the page. It was just, it didn't really work very well. It wasn't really practical. So after a long time, I finally stumbled across a product that was called Space Sticks, and I think it's from Lakeshore Learning. And there were popsicle sticks in the shape of astronauts. So they were way outside my new teacher budget. So what I decided to do instead was I got the skinny popsicle sticks and I painted them blue because at the time they did not come in colors. So lucky you guys, you can go out and actually buy already pre-colored popsicle sticks for this. And then I added little gem stickers. In fact, they weren't even stickers back then either. I'm dating myself. So I actually glued on all these little gems to make them kind of like sparkly, right? And I thought, oh, they're blue. They're kind of like gems are like sparkly like stars. So that's why I called them space sticks. And they were a hit with my class. They loved them. They couldn't wait to get them from the writer toolbox. And it was very easy for them to just place it down on the page and write their word and move it over rather than like have to keep their finger in that place because their hand was trying to hold their notebook down, right? So it was just easy and it was really fun and it was novel. And once, like I just said, they loved having them in what I called their writer's toolkit. So I actually had back in the day, plastic toolboxes that I had gotten at the dollar store and inside were our writing tools. So we had our red pens, our blue pens, our black pens, because we revise with our blue, we edit with our red, we write with our black because if they spend a lot of time erasing and trying to perfect the letters, pens make it so they can't really do that. They just write and move on. And then we had our space sticks and I can't remember what else was in there. So it wasn't much in this giant toolbox, but it was, it was just a cute little idea. Okay. Last, second to last is small group instruction. So if you look around and it's really just a few of your students that are really struggling with writing complete sentences, they might benefit from a few weeks of just intense small group instruction. So when you've released the class to independently write, you're going to pull those students over to your table and you're going to have a little small group instruction with them. So lessons that would be great during this time is maybe a shared writing, a sentence dictation, and arranging words into sentences. So those are three different ideas. So if we start with shared writing, you would pick a shared event to write about, something that the class all has done together. So maybe it's as simple as walking to specials that day, or maybe you had a recent field trip. And then after choosing the topic, you're going to ask about the details from that event. Once you have at least three, deal, three details from the event, you're going to have your students help you put them into sentences. So you're going to decide which detail is going to be first, next, and last. And you want to make sure you're writing the sentences in that order, right? So you're kind of, it, not explicitly, but you're kind of just setting up the foundation for how our story goes in order without explicitly kind of telling them that that's what you're doing. And then as you write the sentences, the students are helping you count the words and draw the lines. So I like to, when I do small groups, have everyone kind of on board doing the activity at the same time. So maybe my students have whiteboards in front of them and I might have a small um, paper in front of me or an anchor chart 
and I'm drawing the lines, but they're doing it with me. So we count, we all say how many lines, and then we do it together. Okay, what's the first word? We write it together. And we write the sentence together because it's shared writing time. Now, an alternative to that is you can have each student dictate a sentence for the group to write. So in this case, again, everyone's going to have their own paper. They're going to write the exact same sentences, but the group is counting the words provided by the chosen student, and everyone draws the word lines and write the sentence. Then another student gives a second sentence, and you continue on through however many kids you have in the group. So you're basically just taking turns and kind of adding on to the story, but not one person's in charge of writing the whole story, if that makes sense. Okay, now if you notice students are really struggling to write the words, especially in your small group, then this is an indication that they need more instruction in phonics. So I would recommend doing some kind of phonics assessment and then providing them with a phonics chart for their writing folder if you haven't already done so. And then during reading time, you're going to have to figure out pulling them for additional phonics practice, figuring out what interventions they need, and then hopefully you'll see that come into their writing and you'll see them using like their phonics charts more as they're writing. Okay, so the other thing with the small group is sentence dictation, which is very similar to what you would do within a reading group where you would say the sentence and then you're just watching the students write it and you're there to kind of help them, show them how to use their tools to write it. And then the last one is arranging words into sentences. So this is um, what I'm saying with this is I'm picturing these like books that I had bought off of TPT and they had cut and paste sentences. So they're all scrambled, right? And the kids have to cut them out and put them in order. So things like that are really good to get them to understand the order words go into a sentence, what makes it sound okay, looking for those capitals and then the period for the end of the sentence. So doing those kind of activities, even outside of small group instruction, but like center time are really beneficial for students that are struggling figuring out complete sentences. Last but not least, we have to, of course, talk about whole group grammar. Now, teaching sentence writing, you really have to provide daily grammar practice. And I know it's really tough to squeeze some of these things in, but sometimes you can fit in grammar in like five to 10 minutes. I'm not even joking with you. I did that last year. I just had a like down and dirty, quick and easy worksheet. And then we just quickly went over what the grammar rule was. We did the same grammar for the whole week. So if we were talking about like um, commas and lists, we would do that for the whole week. And then maybe I'd have a mini assessment and then we would move on to the next week. So it can be something very quick. And that was like a five minute kind of a thing that we were like maybe watching a really fast video about it or something. So teaching students that all subjects need a subject and a predicate or a naming and a telling can be really beneficial in helping them recognize complete sentences. And again, with the vocabulary, I really want to stress if you're saying naming and telling, also connect it to subject and predicate so that as they go on through the school years, they're understanding what their next teacher is saying. Because maybe in second grade, you're saying naming and telling, but then in third and fourth grade, they're saying subject and predicate, and they're like, whoa, what are these things? I've never learned them before. So make sure you're using those words as well. Okay, so during grammar work, it's also helpful to have students work on fixing sentences. Remember that, those old days where you're looking at a sentence and you're finding the misplaced capitals, missing periods, and this is a really great way to train their editing eye because that is a standard they have to have is 
editing. So I also recommend when you're using fixing sentences, you are teaching them the actual editing marks to fix the incorrect sentences. Because again, when they get into editing their work, they are already trained how to use three lines if they want a capital, a circle if they're missing punctuation or they need to change it. And it's very easy to have that kind of transition. So just to recap what we talked about today, we were talking about helping out our struggling writers write and complete sentences without pulling out our hair. So we talked about counting it out, counting the words across our fingers, drawing lines, writing the words on the line. We talked about having a sentence partner where the partner is telling the sentence and the other partner is drawing the lines and writing. We talked about color coding to find the sentence parts, starting with either just capitals and punctuation, one or the other, whichever one they need the most of, using an actual manipulative for like a space stick or something to help them remember, something that they're forgetting like spaces or punctuation. We talked about doing small group instruction to really hone in on how to write those complete sentences. And we talked about using grammar to understand parts of a sentence, having subjects and predicates. So now that you know all these air quote tricks, which one are you going to try on your young writers? I would love to know, and I'm very serious about that. You can always leave me a message, susan at shareteaching.com, or you can put your question or your thoughts in your review wherever you listen to this podcast, particularly Apple Podcasts, you can write a review. And thank you so much for listening. Stay tuned for an all new episode next week. You're not going to want to miss where I have a really great guest. Bye for now. If you've loved this show, then join me in sharing the teaching, hitting that subscribe button, and leaving us a review on iTunes so we can be found by more teachers like you who are ready to start sharing the workload. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Find new episodes each week on shareteaching.com. Thanks for listening to the Share Teaching Podcast. Podcast.